if there's one thing to take away from my entire experience being a fund manager um, and running hedge funds is that the most important thing that dictates the direction of asset prices is what the Fed does. On this episode of Early Bird, Michael Wang, CEO of Prometheus Alternative Investments. Michael joins the podcast today to talk about how investors are adjusting amid the current market volatility, including what to expect as the Fed hikes rates. If you're an investor looking to stay on top of the latest market trends, then you're listening to the right podcast. This is Early Bird, and I'm your host, Stephen Lerner. Before we get to today's discussion, let me tell you where you can save time and beat the market through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter featuring commentary about the latest trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and equity crowdfunding. Early Bird is designed to help individual and non-professional investors stay on top of all of the critical investing trends. The newsletter is 100% free and is sent to your email box each weekday morning. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, today's discussion. All right, Mike, welcome to the Early Bird Podcast. How are you doing? Great, great. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Well, thank you so much for coming here on the Early Bird Podcast. We're going to be talking about how investors are reacting to the current market volatility. But before we get into that, Michael, um, let's tell the audience a little bit about you and your background. Um, if you could, in 30 seconds, what should the audience know about you? Sure, yeah. I spent most of my career in uh, the hedge fund world. I started off as an investment banker doing m and at Citigroup. After that, I joined a large hedge fund called SAC Capital, worked for a very prominent hedge fund manager named Stevie Cohen for about five years. I know him. <laughs> yep, yep, and uh, billions, right, uh, and helped grow one of the largest um, uh, portfolios there. And in 2012, left to join a guy named Jason Karp and launching a hedge fund called Turbion Capital, uh, which we grew to a couple billion dollars before I left New York in 2015 to move to LA, where I'm currently to take over the oldest hedge fund still in existence, called Cyprus. Hmm. Uh, Cyprus was found in 1969, believe it or not. And uh, I ran Cyprus for about five years before I left fund management to build my current company, Prometheus. Nice. So, so Michael, you have a lot of experience. It's great to have you on here. Um, you know, let's talk a bit about the public markets right now. Um, sure. How, how would you describe the public markets so far this year? It's been obviously a very difficult environment for the vast majority of investors, particularly if you are a retail investor and your only sort of options for investment are stocks, bonds, and crypto. Those have all done uh, you know, very poorly, obviously, year to date. So it's been a very tough environment for the vast majority of the population out there. Yeah, it's been tough. Most investors invested in the public markets, unless you've you know, unless you're heavy in energy or some other sector, it's probably been a rough year for you. Um, but, you know, uh, seeing that, are you seeing any sort of data out there about how investors might be, I don't know, reacting to this market? You know, it's, you know, what, what are you seeing? Yeah, uh, you know, I do see, I get information and data on flows in the market. So, net inflows, net outflows, how institutional fund managers, hedge fund managers are positioned, uh, whether retail is buying or selling. What you started seeing this year was, although initially in the year when the markets were going down, 
you had uh, retail, uh, you know, coming into the markets, putting money into the markets, thinking that, hey, um, every drawdown is an opportunity to put more money. That's obviously pinched them. Uh, then you saw a period of time, um, essentially for the vast majority of the year, where retail started to pull back. Uh, and what we're seeing on the institutional side of things is that hedge funds are literally running the lowest amount of net exposure to the markets that they've ran since the uh, great financial crisis. And so that's saying something as well. And institutions in general have the highest cash levels um, uh, they've had in 20 years. So it's literally since the dot-com bubble. Um, and so that really paints a picture. What does that paint a picture of? It paints a picture that um, institutions and, um, uh, and retail alike are very conservative right now. Uh, they've gotten punched in the face for uh, for trying to buy dips, and uh, each dip has resulted in further dips. And so uh, it's like uh, you know you, you you sort of touch the stove too many times, you you end up learning your lesson after the third time or so. Yeah. And so right now, it seems like investors of all sorts are positioned very conservatively, i.e., negatively, um, which quite frankly is a um, is uh, is positive. Um, if you want to get into the markets now, um, because uh, everybody is on one side of the boat. And uh, what you're starting to see actually is, is that uh, companies are reporting earnings and that are missing and even cutting their four-year guidance. They're actually rallying off of the prints. Mm -hmm. So that's a sign of a bottoming process, you know, i.e. that the expectations are so low for these companies that are reporting that uh, they're actually rallying on bad numbers. Oh wow! We saw, yeah, we saw this in '09. By the way, the um, uh, I remember this very clearly. March of '09, when companies were reporting their Q1, um, uh, when companies were reporting uh, numbers, what you started to see in March and April of '09 is is that they would miss badly, horrible numbers relative to street expectations. Uh, the stocks would open down 10 percent and then close up 10 percent, and that was literally the bottom of the markets. In, uh, in the first quarter of 09, uh, although we were still in a recession um, uh, back in those. In fact, we were in a recession the entirety of 2009, uh, but the market bottomed in March because remember, the market is forward-looking. Um, mm -hmm. And so the market's gonna start pricing in a recovery well before the economy recovers. Yeah, that, that, that makes total sense. Uh, Michael, you said that investors, including retail investors, are going to react very conservatively. Are, are you referring to maybe um, investors taking more conservative type of investments like ETFs, for example, instead of individual stocks? Or are you suggesting, oh, that investors are going to leave the public markets altogether? Uh, it, it's, the, it's the latter. Um, and and it, what I mean is, is that uh, you know, what you saw during the COVID days is that people at home, they got stimulus checks from the government. And so they had uh, discretionary dollars to be able to put in investing. They started making a lot of money, quite frankly. Um, and then they lost all that over the last, uh, let's call it, um, you know, six to nine months or so. Yeah. Um, and so what you're seeing now is that they don't have the cash to be buying anymore because they've lost it. Um, on crypto, on being long, you know, some of these uh, inflated valuation tech names uh, and such. So it, it's more the latter than the uh, than the former. Oh wow! So it's more people are leaving the markets altogether, and, and that's you know problematic 
on many levels, I assume, because people, you know, long-term investing can be a benefit for many people. And, and especially we're in the age where there are numerous investing opportunities, public and private, for people to get inv involved with. Um, what, let's talk about some of the big macro challenges right now that might be playing into that. You know, how much of that is just, is, you know, the impact of the Fed raising rates, uh, fears over recession? Are those kind of all in play with, with investors' decisions to leave the markets? 100% all of the above. You got Fed, you got inflation, you got recession. I could touch on each of these. If there's one thing to learn from this conversation, in fact, I've been investing my entire life. My parents uh, uh, are, are you know, day traders, so I've been exposed to that very early age. And so if there's one thing to take away from my entire experience being a fund manager um, and running hedge funds is that the most important thing that dictates the direction of asset prices is what the Fed does. That's the number one thing above anything else. I.e., um, if you think about 2009 all the way to uh, essentially 2021, what was the Fed doing? Easing, quantitative easing, a very dovish, um, and um, they were providing a lot of liquidity into the markets. There is a saying called "Don't fight the Fed." That works both ways. Meaning that if the um, Fed is easing, as they were for the better part of the last decade. You want to ride the markets. Asset prices are going to go up, uh, which is what we saw. However, the Fed pivoted, let's call it, in November of 2021. And ever since then, literally to the T, the markets have gone down a straight line because what the Fed started doing is they went from being um, accommodative and dovish um, to now uh, hawkish and, and you know tightening conditions out there. And so don't fight the Fed works both ways. Uh, once that started happening, you saw the markets uh, totally puke and the Fed continues to be hawkish. So that's one thing to uh, to think about. Uh, the other thing that you mentioned is inflation. That is certainly top of mind. That's something that's very visceral to all of us. And you know, when you go to the gas pump, when you buy groceries, um, we're all feeling the pinch of much, much higher inflation. And that's a huge problem because we haven't uh, experienced this type of inflation in, uh, you know, you know, essentially four decades or so. Uh, so, uh, so that's uh, that's been a worry. And quite frankly, you know, what is why is the Fed tightening? Well, they're tightening because they were wrong on inflation. For the better part of 2020, 2021, they thought inflation was "quote unquote" transitory, um, and uh, they then, you know, in November decided, you know what, we're wrong. In fact, inflation's here to stay, and it's much higher than we expected it to be, and uh, and this is the problem, and we need to control it. And we don't mind putting the economy into a recession in order to control inflation. So just note that, is, is that uh, the Fed's number one priority is to control asset prices, uh, um, i.e. inflation right now. They are willing to take us into a recession in order to control inflation. And so what the Fed is going to do is this. They're going to remain hawkish until they see a few months of data that suggests that inflation is now under control. Now, here's the positive spin on this is, is that um, uh, a couple of things. One is, is that we're comping against very high inflation numbers from the back half of last year. So remember in the back half of last year, we had inflation up six, seven, eight, nine percent. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, it, it seems like the quote unquote, the worst of commodity price inflation is behind us, i.e. oil uh, has come down. 
In fact, most commodities are actually in a bear market uh, from its highs, a bear market being defined as drawing down about 20% plus. Uh, whether you look at nat gas prices, whether you look at cotton, whether you look at soybeans, um, you know, you started to see some of these commodities come back down. And so in the back half of this year, you know, you could see inflation come down to plus, you know, 7% and 6 and 5 and 4 then you know, end up the year plus 3%. But remember, it's it's comping against an up nine from uh, or up seven or whatever it was in December of last year. So that's the good thing is, is that, you know, peak inflation um, is getting close to coming behind us. That's and good. once the Fed sees a few months of lower inflation, they're going to start to pivot, you know. And mm-hmm. by the way, the market's going to sense that. Uh, well before um, even the Fed season. The yeah. market's going to start pricing in a recovery that the Fed is going to pivot to be a bit more dovish uh, well before the Fed even mm-hmm. does become dovish. That, that, that's really good. Good point about inflation. When we return, we'll hear from Michael about how average investors are getting into alternative investments. But first... Let me tell you where you can become a more informed investor through Early Bird, our free daily email newsletter. Early Bird has commentary on the latest events and trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and crowdfunding. With Early Bird's daily weekday email, investors can quickly stay on top of the trends and beat the market. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, back to today's discussion. Uh, Mike, um, so today we're, we're talking about how investors are adjusting amid the current market environment that we're in. Um, one of those areas is alternatives, I guess. Uh, could you talk a little bit about you know, how more retail investors might be getting into alternatives? Sure. Uh, so maybe it's best to define what an alternative is. And the way I always describe it is it's anything that's not traditional. So mm-hmm. what's traditional? Stocks, bonds, ETFs, uh, that's traditional. So alternatives can describe everything from hedge funds to venture capital funds to buying and selling artwork to buying and selling comic books. Mm-hmm. And so alternatives is a whole umbrella that uh, um, you know, encompasses all these different asset classes. And so why are alternatives attractive? particularly in environments like this. Well, they're attractive for a few different reasons. Number one is they tend to be uncorrelated or at least at the very least less correlated to the broader equities markets. So if you're a retail investor and you're 100% exposed to just being long the S&P 500 or tech stocks, you know, when the market goes down, you're going down with it and likely further down than the markets. You know, you're not protected on the downside. Whereas if you invest in a low volatility, low net hedge fund, um, you know, we have those on our platform that are flat to up this year in a market that's down 20%. And so uh, so those are very attractive um, instruments and asset classes to look at and invest in. And then the other reason to invest in alternatives as well is, is that um, uh, they could potentially enjoy much higher returns than just traditional, um, uh, you know, uh, stocks and bonds. So, for instance, private equity and venture capital for the better part of this past decade have been maturely outperforming even the S&P 500, you know, and again, uh, private equity and venture cap fall under that um, uh, alternatives umbrella. Now, however, it's been extraordinarily difficult, if not impossible, 
for the average retail investor to get access to alternatives. And why is that? Well, the reason why is because of these archaic laws and rules and regulations that, quite frankly, came about in, you know, we're talking about the Securities Act of 1933 and 1940. Archaic laws that prevent the average, you know, mom and pop from investing in alternatives. So uh, until the laws change, it's very difficult for the vast majority to um, um, get access to them. But you're starting to see more platforms like ours come about that are um, lowering those barriers to entry, you know, while still being on the right side of the law, obviously. Mm. Um, so there's platforms like ours, Prometheus, where we offer um, direct access to hedge funds, to venture funds, to credit funds, to, um, um, you know, private equity, et cetera. Uh, you can go on places like AngelList to get access to direct private investments, so startups and, and stuff like that. Um, we don't do that at Prometheus because we believe that most people in the world aren't investors, aren't full-time investors. Investing is a full-time job. And it's okay to have your own you know, AngelList account or your own Robin account. Um, but uh, you know, if you're an engineer uh, on your computer all day long, uh, you're probably better served putting your money with a talented manager that you found on Prometheus. And we pre-vet all these managers, by the way. They have, all have amazing track records. Good. So. Is your platform just for accredited investors, though? Uh, no, no. There's actually two parts of the platform. There's the uh, social media slash content component of it. And then there's the marketplace for alternatives. So uh, the the app is available for anybody, whether they're accredited or not, to download. We are in invite-only mode right now. However, uh, for your listeners, use the code BIRD uh, to get access. You can download the Prometheus Alts app on the Apple App Store and, uh, and access and use the code BIRD again um, to create a free account. It's an entirely free platform. And uh, go on there and start engaging with the um, pros. Nice. So all these hedge fund managers that have funds on our marketplace, they're posting content about what their thoughts are in the markets today in real time. And it's the only place that you can go to uh, without all the noise that you find on like a stock Twitch or any of these other social media platforms. It's the only platform where you can engage and learn directly from some of the best investors in the world. So do that. And um, you know, generally our marketplace though, because of the regulations are generally only available to credit investors and above. Um, but uh, the social and the educational component, that's available for everybody. Nice, definitely uh, good, 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 good to know. Thanks for the offer. That that that, that code word is Bird again, B I R D. Yep. Cool. B I R D. Cool. Uh, so, uh, Michael, you, you you laid out some of the benefits of alternative investing, and you know, on Early Bird, you know, we cover not just uh, for commentary stocks, but there's commentary on cryptocurrency and commentary on equity crowdfunding. And I'd personally be lying if I didn't do alternative investing. Um, in fact, if you if you consider real estate investing as part of that. That's, that's, that's a big part of that. I that, And I'm happy with the results this year so far with real estate investing. But I did want to play devil's advocate a bit. Is this the right year, 2022, given the fact that we have a looming recession? And I know alternatives are great. You should probably have some in your portfolio as long as you speak to your financial ad advisor, make sure they can help you with that. But given the fact that we might enter a recession, we have inflation right now, is this the, the, the year that retail investors should be going into alternatives? Is it a bit maybe too risky? this year to go uh, in the alternative realm? I, I think it's actually the opposite. Um, and, and the reason is, is because right now, you know, um, retail investors generally have their portfolios just well in the market. So they're already down anywhere from 20 to 50% likely, you know, 
and uh, and they experience no downside protection because generally most retail uh, they don't they don't have a big short portfolio to protect them on that downside. Um, but um, the reason to invest in some of these alternatives is that uh, uh, they can protect you on the downside. So for instance, we have funds on our platform um, when in you know during June, for instance, markets down ten percent, we had funds that were up. You know, and so um, and so these are you know very talented managers. Uh, and they can protect you on the downside because they have a large short portfolio. They actually, mm-hmm. a lot of them take no exposure to the stock market. You know, they want to run quote unquote uh, net neutral. And um, uh, so I think it's actually the opposite. The other thing to think about though, is if you're worried, um, you know, by the way, I agree with you. I, I don't even mm-hmm. think that we're heading down, but we, I think we're probably already in a recession, quite frankly. Um, and, but, uh, and then the question is, okay, well, what if I just put it in cash? Well, the problem with cash today is inflation so high. Mm. You know, so your purchasing power is going down. So if you just keep it in cash and you're earning one percent, two percent, but inflation's at nine percent, <laughs> you're just you're you're losing seven percent just by keeping it in cash. Makes sense. Yeah, right? I, you make a very good point, Michael. De- and you're you're absolutely right about the advantages there. Um, Ma- yeah. Ma- Michael, th- thank you so much for coming on the Early Bird Podcast today, talking to everybody about you know, what the, the market's currently like for investors and about alternatives out there. Um, before we wrap up the podcast, I just have one final question, and it's it's the most important question for today's discussion. Uh, that sure. question for you, Michael, is um, what song could you listen to over and over again? Oh, man. Okay, that's a good song. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of... Um, you know what? What I've been listening to over and over again is uh, Harry Styles of all people, and I had no idea that uh, Harry Styles was this good. I, I thought it was just you know for teenage. Yeah, he's a teenage pop singer, but uh, late night talking. That's the song. Nice. That's a good song. I had no idea it was Harry Styles, <laughs> by the way. Uh, um, but um, uh, I didn't figure out it was him. So he's he's pretty darn good. Yep. Good song. Thank you again to Michael Wang for sharing your insights on investing. And thank you to everyone for listening to today's discussion. We'll be back next week for another episode of Early Bird. Have a great day.